coffee drinkers. More bootlegging today and transcription. I just wanted to play something sort of live and in the moment. And I've I've heard this bootleg before. This is Kenny Garrett from 1996. It says here June 28th, 1996. Uh, Kenny Garrett with Pat Metheny, Brian Blade, and Nat Reeves at the bass. And Kenny Garrett, when he's introducing the band, would say, Nat Reeves at the bass. Big amount of applause. Nat Reeves at the bass. More applause. Here we go. Nat Reeves. In the base. We're going four or five times. Anyway, just reminded me of seeing a lot of Kenny Garrett shows live and listening to him do it. He does that with everyone in the band. Brian Blade on the drums. Anyway, uh, I just wanted to grab something that is kind of totally in my wheelhouse and something I've been meaning to listen to a little deeper. Hit play and see what happens. Like, see, I, you know, obviously I'm very familiar with Pat's playing. And with Kenny, with everyone in the band, uh, even a little bit familiar with this particular bootleg. But um, what I'm not familiar with are the exact notes of the solo. And I wanted to pick something in real time just to hit play, hit, hit play on iTunes, hit record on the podcast and see what happens. And right up now, of course, I've forgotten the freaking line, but right off the bat, there was something in there that I heard that I thought was kind of cool. Maybe top of the second chorus here, right here. I mean, even that, something like that. Nice little, nice little opening phrase. But it was the, when he went to the to the flat six chord that was really what, what grabbed me. This. So he goes. We're in E minor, and he goes to C minor. Um, something like that. Let me play that one more time. I hate the fact that in iTunes there's not enough detail on the on the playback on the playhead on the scrub bar like you can't scrub accurately like one or two seconds you're limited by the number of pixels in your cursor and the number of pixels that are on the play bar like the scrub bar so it's not going to be the most accurate thing i used to do it with a tape machine i used to have a tape machine i would dub stuff from records and cds onto cassette tapes and then that, that rewind button would just be half an inch lower than all of the other buttons on the cassette player because it would literally be you know, over and over again. Just training the ear. Right here, so top of the course. Here. Oh. Gotta get that more accurately, but that's basically what it is. Just when it goes from the one chord, E minor, going to the flat six, it's only three chords. It goes to uh, B seven, going back to the one. But that was a, that's a nice little line, and it would be really nice just to be able to scrub two uh, so that's the first part 
So just knowing, just knowing basic shapes in a major scale, like we, we know the chord is C, so we can pick out, first thing I did, I think the first time I heard this song was pick out the, the bass line. Uh, what is it? Boom, bam, boom, 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 boom. That's flat six chord to the five. And then a quick flat six to five to one. Maybe I'll put that in the looper a little bit later once I have this idea down and develop it. That's generally what I like to do. So let's wind it back. Uh, so that's the first part of it. Yep, I think that's it again. Might try and play along this time. Is that it? Listen one more time. Here. Is that beat? I'm not paying close enough attention. These are the first notes of the day, by the way. I know I've mentioned that in the podcast before, like saving them, like saving the first notes of the day uh, for when I when I hit record. And today I did it. I didn't practice, didn't warm up, didn't do anything. Just found the track I wanted to work on and save these notes for you guys. Give you the the real, real under the microscope look at, you know, that's feeling pretty good today. Sometimes it's a disaster, but the more I do it, the more you'll see that sometimes it's great, sometimes it is a total disaster. Today, pretty good. Uh, it's a B natural, so that's, that's easy then. So you know what? That is exactly my next move. Let me, um, what do I? Whoa, okay. That's, um, damn, what was that from? Okay, that's a, that's a practice loop from a couple of days ago. Let's get rid of that. And let's put the, let's put the little Kenny Garrett vibe in here. The bass line to, uh, this is a tune called Wayne Stang, by the way. Um, so let's go. One, two, team. I missed a note right off the bat. What a dumbass. I wish you could see my sitting position here. It is so bad. Got the bass propped up against the deck. It's, it's just it's just bad. Not optimal, but let's do it. Two, three, There we go. 
kind of comfortable with that. What's the line? is actually the higher register of my instrument but it feels a little muddy uh, where the where the you know in comparison to where the bass line is in fact let's uh Apparently, I definitely wasn't ready to play the line. Um. <laughs> to play the line in time or with the groove or anything. Still needs a little bit of work getting it under my fingers. But, hey, that's kind of a little bit of a look inside the process of what that thing is. Hey, really quickly, because uh, I've just seen a, a notification on my phone, which is sitting here on the desk. It's Black Friday today. It's... Um, we are in November. It is November 23rd, 2018. For anyone listening to this in the future, uh, this will probably not be that applicable to you, but it's been pretty overwhelming, the response to the this Black Friday sale I've been running. Everything is 50% off at Yannick's Bass Studio, at the store, the books, Chordal Harmony, all the good stuff, all, the, all that stuff is like 50% off. Using the coupon code GOLOW, that is still running through this weekend, but today has just been amazing the amount of people that are coming over to the base studio checking out some of the courses i've had some beautiful emails so if you're a coffee drinker slash now a recent base studio member thank you for uh, for coming on board i hope you enjoy the ride and the stuff we're putting out there is it just i i can't say thank you enough for that like just for that in general like the response i get on instagram through the podcast uh twitter facebook all the all the social um, things, <laughs> the digital social, that you guys are, are really, really awesome in that regard. And I, I love the response. I love to see that people are getting something out of it. So thank you for that. Um, this is like the once a year big one kind of sale and the response has been huge. It's still going on the, through the weekend. Black Friday, Cyber Monday thing. Use the code GOLOW at checkout if you want to take advantage of this uh, of all of this stuff all the courses and all that stuff and talking about some of the you know this stuff that i'm talking about on the podcast it's it's all in there there's actually a really specific transcription uh course where where we take down uh, a michael brecker transcription the great sax uh, saxophone player michael brecker on a on a b-flat blues it's a quite a simple premise but it gets pretty deep towards the end of the solo it was such a fun experience doing that and it's in exactly the way i'm doing this i'm just Exactly the same way, just playing, you know, listening. 
Uh, let's get some volume here. Just taking tiny phrases like that. I mean, with the Michael Brecker transcription course thing, that was we, I did the entire solo. Like from start to finish, uh, I did that specifically for the site, um, but that is not something I typically have time to do these days in terms of the sheer amount of work that went into that. And it's a slightly bigger project, slightly longer process, and I'm, I just don't have the time to, re to, to transcribe and learn and, and work on like eight courses of Michael Brecker. So generally now at this uh, point in my career, in my playing, in my development, it's like this. It's just putting on a track just the way I open this podcast and looking for that phrase that really jumps out and it like, like like there's only three chords in this thing so by the time the chords have gone around once I already found the phrase that I was looking for and like super melodic to me yes it's eighth notes uh, there's a there are some intervals there major seven thing going on but very very lyrical as Pat normally is like that's his whole MO he's playing great time great sound very lyrical soloing um, and I, I love hearing bootlegs of it it's all well and good hearing like his classic albums you know like First Circle and all of these amazing records that he's made Secret Story and all this stuff where the stuff is really really well produced and refined and I know that he's like patched together so which is always amazing to me that if 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 five percent of the rumors are true that Pat has kind of cut and paste some of his solos together, I the thing the, the crazy thing to me is I can't tell the difference when he plays live because it's so amazing when it's live, and he's playing just as fluidly as the albums sound. That's what always amazes me how how he's able to do that in real time, and. You know, obviously nobody's chopping up his solos in real time and editing them. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the rumors aren't true. Maybe he doesn't do that in the studio. But I've heard it from enough people to sort of believe that it might be true. That he kind of cut copies and cuts and pastes some of his solos. I've heard plenty of people do that. And again, plenty of like legendary musicians who are just so good live. It'd be really interesting to talk to him about that in terms of what, like what the thought process is in the studio and how it differs from the live thing. Maybe that's an interview that's already out there. I don't know. I, I, I don't think I've heard that before. It'd be really interesting to talk to Pat or any anybody who kind of has that really kind of under the microscope, kind of perfectionist mentality in the studio. But yet they still they are still able to do that live and improvising and under the greatest pressure and in front of ten thousand people and you know no second take, you know, just one show a night. So I'd, I'd love to hear what the difference is between the live and the studio mentality. That'd be really interesting. Um, we got a little bit off in a tangent there, but this is the process and this is something I do, I like to do every day if I can. Um, and in fact, let me play you this solo or, or, or at least a minute of it. So to give you an idea of some of the ideas, like where the melodies are going, I'm not going to talk over it at all. I'm going to let it just play first minute or minute and a half of the solo. So you have a chance then to go back and rewind and listen again. And, you know, on iTunes, I know you have that like 15 second skip back button. That could be really useful. Like tap that a few times, you get back to the beginning of the solo. And just listen to the repetition uh, of some of the melodic 
the details, some of the you know some of the melodic content of the solo, and then see where it's being developed and where the repetition um, ends and the change begins, and the balance between those two things, like the the, the development of the solo. Let me find the top of it here, um, and I'll play it down for a minute or so. Here we go.
okay, I had to give you the whole thing. I, I got into it and then one minute went by and I was like, oh, there's no way I can't give him the whole thing. Especially that bit at the end. Like that whole crossing the bar thing and Brian going with Pat on the drum. I mean, just that, that's a, to me, that's a great one. That's like, what, three minutes, maybe just over three minutes of a solo that has great shape and great energy and, you know, how to drive the band, like, how to create tension, how to release it. Just so many great things to learn from that three minutes of music. Um, at least that's that's what I hear when I listen to it. And you would be well served, especially if this is kind of something you something you're into doing. Oh, I got a burp so bad. Sorry. LaCroix. God, I wish they would sponsor this podcast. That would be awesome. But uh, right now you just have to do with LaCroix burps. But yeah, if, if this is something a style of music that you're into checking out, then that's a that's a great place to start. For Even for the beginner player, there's some stuff in there, and intermediate, advanced, you name it. There's stuff in there to be learned, especially like if there's anything in your approach that says, oh, I don't know, I don't really hear that, or I can't, or I'm not good enough, or my ear isn't trained well enough. Okay, it may not be if this is your your entry into transcribing. This may not be the best entry point. But no matter where your ear is at, you can listen to this a thousand times. You know, you don't have to be able to hear every single note, what it is, what the harmony is, be able to write it down, be able to play it on your instrument. But you can sure as hell listen to it and start, you know, just internalizing the solo, internalizing the melody, internalizing the rhythms. You know, take one 20 second section at a time and go over and over and over and over and over it. That's what I did in the beginning. If there was something that was technically out of my range, of which when I was starting, which there still are now, but when I was starting, especially so, there were so many things that were technically out of my range, not just in terms of playing them on the instrument, but in terms of being able to hear what they were, being able to recreate that immediately or transcribe it or write it down or, or understand it harmonically. There were so many things out of reach. But the one thing that wasn't out of reach was my curiosity and, and my ability to simply listen, to just be immersed in it. You know, think about when we're, when we're infants, we don't have a choice but to be surrounded by like the cacophony of, of what's going on around us. You know, apart from the fact that we don't physically have the ability to move and get out of the way, you know, we listen to the music that's on that our parents are playing us. We listen to the way we they speak to us, regardless of whether that's hello, whether it's slow or fast or whatever it is. We listen to that. We're we're forced into that, so we can force ourselves. Hopefully, you don't have to force yourself. Hopefully, you really dig the music you're listening to. So it's a pleasure to spend the time but it's that re repetition and immersion in that like listen to it over and over and over and over again you know i've had i put a rack of michael brecker bootlegs in my uh, icloud recently and i'm back to the mode of wearing headphones in the house when i'm walking around the cleaning up walking the dog you know, it's on in the car. If I'm in the grocery store, the headphones are in and I have, you know, five or six bootlegs that are on heavy rotation right now just to get inside the music, really as deep inside the music as I can. You know, I'm in the gym. It doesn't matter where I am. The headphones are in. All the music is on in the house or the car. And I'm listening as, as much as I can, the repetition of that. And 
some it's it's to the point where I don't even have to transcribe those things or even with my bass figure them out or or whatever it's just being so immersed in that vocabulary that phrases show up in my playing and maybe they're not the exact notes or the exact intervals of what I heard on the thing but they're heavily influenced by that just the rhythmic phrasing of what I play taking my own vocabulary but putting it in the framework of maybe Mike Brecker's phrasing and and that really helps my playing in a big way. And that can be applied to just any style. It doesn't have to be jazz. It doesn't have to be rock. It doesn't have to be any particular style. This is just music in general, I think. It can be applied across the board, no matter what it is you're doing, whether that's playing a bass line or playing a solo or whether you're writing arrangements or creating chords and voicings and, and, and that kind of thing. It, it really doesn't matter. It's that immersion thing. And then it gets, and then it gets really fun, and then, or gets really, fun. it just is fun for me. I don't know where you guys are at with that. It just is really fun. Like it's, it's the fact that I get to call this my job. Jesus, that's that's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I gotta say, <laughs> I really do get to call this my job it's not like oh yeah i really love music and i do it as much as i can this is this is actually it i think and i've talked about this on the podcast a little bit before like the, the fact that i didn't do like corporate gigs or wedding gigs or you know and like i said to the detriment of my quality of life for sure you know i i made a choice not to do that stuff and also took a lot of hits in like the nourishment department when there wasn't food in the fridge and uh you know those kind of basic human necessities but at the same time I like I I really made it my job and the fact that I loved it at the same time would just kind of fueled everything into this like laser point like of 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 forward motion like everything was like directed it, really kind of intensely forward I think that was what I got out of that everything was like okay we're going forward with this this is a hum I'm a hundred percent in there's no doubt in my mind even though doubts have crept up over the years there was very little doubt in my mind early on which was really really useful <laughs> looking back on it um, so I would encourage anyone who has any kind of inkling of like, oh, I think this is the thing. Like, definitely ask yourself the questions and give yourself honest answers. But if it is the thing, just go for it. Don't be my age and then uh, wishing you'd done it. Like, if you're like 15, 16, 17, 20, 25 even or something, if you're a young musician, a young player right now, don't get to be my age and regret not having tried. I would say that, you know. And if you are my age and this is not what you do full time, of course, I'm sure whatever you're doing is is fulfilling. And if it's not, there are ways around that as well. I mean, I get to moments in my life where certain things are not fulfilling at, at this point, and there's always a way to figure it out. And if I even if I can't see that, I, I just have in the back of my mind that there is always a way, and I might not be able to get to that way immediately, but keeping an open mind is definitely a huge key with that and I know that I'm going to get to it at some point and it's funny like lately running into some people I haven't seen in a long time and a lot has changed in my life in the last few years and seeing people's reaction to that 
has has been really really interesting just so just even with all the things i've done in, in my in my career and the amount of fun i've had and, and some success and, and whatever like seeing some massive personal changes and attitude changes perhaps outlook on life changes and and having because i'm wrapped up in the middle of it i don't notice it as much as people who know me really well but perhaps haven't seen me in a while so it's been really interesting to see that like see the whole spectrum and take a step back and be able to look at that and listen to other people's perspectives and other people's advice um but yeah if you're a young musician and you have even an inkling that this might be it this is the thing that really motivates you then boy oh boy do i highly recommend doing it because the payoff is ridiculous I'm not talking about making millions of dollars and driving fancy cars and, you know, flying in private jets. No, none of that at all. I'm talking about the emotional and spiritual payoff of truly loving what you do and really being motivated to not only do it yourself, but like to like I'm talking to you about it right now, to talk to other people about it and to encourage them and to help them troubleshoot their problems and find the way you know around the obstacle and get to the goal that's huge to to in some way i guess to lead in some way you know at, at least have have an opinion have an idea have some experience and to lead uh you know lead people to explore their curiosity i always thought you know you guys know me I, I always talk about that word curiosity curiosity and necessity two massive words i think for me in 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 any kind of success any kind of happiness i think um we're getting way off of this pat Metheny solo on this kenny garrett bootleg but i think that's important stuff and I wouldn't mind talking about it on every single episode of the podcast if, if, if different people heard it each time. And even if one person heard it and thought, oh, yeah, you know what? Let's give that a go. Because I think, I think it's good to have like a resource behind you, whatever it is, if your resource is YouTube or it's this podcast or it's, you know, a book or, you know, like I, I have tons of resources that I, I look up to. I'm not saying that your resource should be me by any means. I'm happy to contribute to that arena in any way, shape or form I can be that with the lessons or the books or this podcast, whatever it is for monetary gain or not. Either way, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's it's important that people hear the message more than it is that that, that I make money. That's that's you know, first and foremost. And then on, on the flip side, I have so many people that I look towards like that, you know, Seth Godin would have to be a massive one. He just has, it's unbelievable. He has this amazing podcast you should go check out called Akimbo, A-K-I-M-B-O, Akimbo. I think the website is akimbo.link. He has a very funny dot domain. I think it's akimbo.link. But anyway, Seth Godin, G-O-D-I-N, quite the guru. And I had him on my podcast. You can go check out that episode. I interviewed him. He has a lot to say about the music business in, in particular. He's a huge fan of music. He knows a lot about just the industry of media in general. It was a really fun interview. I was uh, quite nervous to meet him and very happy that I got the time just to sit down with him for uh, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it was and put it in the podcast. You can listen to that on this channel. You can go and I think I have video of it on YouTube on my channel as well. Um, but I, there are definitely people I look up to like that. And 
learn a lot from. So I think the, the giving thing is, is hugely important. So hopefully somebody out there listening, here's something that affects them today. That would be a massive win for me and hopefully a massive win for them as well if it motivates them to go do something good. And uh, just so you guys know, I'm constantly on the lookout for that myself. You know, I listen to Seth's podcast. There are some amazing things, especially in Akimbo in the last few episodes. I've been making some notes and, you know, I definitely want to talk about a few of those things. Once I've sort of processed them and, and researched them a little more and have, a, you know, have some semblance of a thought process about them, I think there's some really interesting stuff. I always recommend that people go out and read like The Purple Cow and Tribes and... I just pretty much any book he's ever written he's a he's a pretty amazing writer and I, who I don't know where I'm going with this hopefully there's something in there that you guys can pick out maybe you never heard of Seth before that would be a big win if there is one person that hadn't heard of Seth Godin before today and now does I consider my job done for the day if there's one person out there who was thinking about considering a career in music and now really does, then again, my job was successful today. I think I'm going to play a little bit of music because I'm kind of itching to play over this groove and see where I go. <laughs> I still kind of remember the line, probably not in the right place. And maybe I want to try and develop that. I also need to get the mix right and the balance between the loops. So I think I might want to turn that down a bit. All right, let's try this. lesson it's important to me right now and i'm going to close out the podcast with this thought um, i'm not particularly comfortable with 
the way uh, my setup is right now, the way I'm monitoring the level of the loop, the level of the bass, I don't really hear them as clearly as I would like. And rather than force the issue just for the purpose of, of the podcast and, you know, because I'm recording them in the moment, I don't want to go back and edit later and do all that. It's good to take a breath. It's good to take a beat, um, go reconfigure that and and work on it when it's kind of at its, at its most optimal. It won't always be possible to always be operating at 100% or in the best circumstances and you know, sometimes the, the when you if you meditate, sometimes the the best time to do it is with the most chaos and the most noise and distractions going on around you because it really makes you focus on on finding a quiet place amongst that cacophony. And I kind of equate that to this: like it's not quite perfect. Maybe the best thing to do is to deal with it in real time. Fortunately, I have the luxury of being able to stop recording and talking to you guys and go fix that and actually put in some quality time because I know I don't have too much time left this evening um, before I got to go and do other stuff. So I'll leave you with that. Uh, hopefully I'll leave you with a bunch of things, some thoughts, some music for today. Tomorrow, if everything works out, Jim Bogios from The Counting Crows, the drummer for The Counting Crows, will be the guest on the podcast. Hopefully everything lines up and we get to make that happen. Um, so... I will check in with you guys tomorrow, guys, girls, ladies, gentlemen, coffee drinkers here on Coffee Drinker FM. Wir spielen die Hits. There was one German person who picked up on Wir spielen die Hits. I think, if I remember right, that's F.F. Hahn, right? Any Germans out there? Perhaps in the Frankfurt area? I remember doing a radio show a few times down there. Maybe that was F.F. Hahn. Wir spielen die Hits was their little, their little tagline. I remember having to say it on a, on a mic because somebody heard me doing a German accent and thought it would be funny for me to do the do the hook. Anyway, Germans, Germans, Deutschland, give me your feedback on the Instagram and uh, we'll be spielen some more hits tomorrow. Episode, uh, what is the day? Today's episode 15. Tomorrow will be episode 16 of the Coffee Drinker Podcast. <laughs>